Welcome to Graduates, an interview series from the Eugene McDermott Scholars Program Alumni Association. My name is Allie Petercourt, and I'm a 2014 scholar. In this series, we'll hear from alumni of the Eugene McDermott Scholars Program about life after graduating. We are joined today by Nate Fairbank, a 2011 scholar. Nate is currently an artificial intelligence scholar at Carnegie Mellon and plans to run the Boston Marathon this April. Hey, Alec. Thanks for being here, Nate. Can you introduce yourself for all our guests? Hey, uh, I'm Nate Fairbank. I'm a 2011 McDermott Scholar. When I, I grew up in Missouri, when I graduated, I joined the Army. And so I've been serving in the U.S. military ever since, uh, largely in the 82nd Airborne, where I served for three years, including one deployment to Afghanistan. Now the Army has me on duty at Carnegie Mellon University, where I'm studying for a degree in information systems so that I can serve in a research capacity for artificial intelligence and machine learning. What led you to enlist in the Army? In a large part due to the kind of values and teachings of the McDermott program. I took an atypical path to get there. Most officers know that they're joining essentially out of high school because they have to either, you know, apply to and attend the U.S. Military Academy at West Point or participate in an ROTC program during undergraduate. I did neither of those things. And it wasn't really until senior year when I actually had to like make a choice about what I was going to do with my life after graduation that I thought military service might be a good fit. And I think part of the reason why I thought it would be a good fit is because of the values of of service and leadership that I uh, McDermott emphasizes so much. Can you tell us a little bit more about your experience as an army captain and what challenges you faced? Yeah, there's tons of challenges. And a lot of them are not even the things that people like think would be challenging. There's a lot of organizing people. There's a lot of organizing systems. And if you get your system wrong, then your people are very, very unhappy. And if your people are very, very unhappy, then they won't implement any kind of good system. Right. So you have all of the normal challenges of administering like a complex entity with a mission to accomplish, plus the like very human factors of fatigue, right? And danger and hunger and cold, which I I mean, I love. Like I love being in the field, like getting rained on, like running around, jumping out of airplanes, but it's like non-trivially complex in a way that keeps it interesting. Yeah, absolutely. So how did you end up studying at Carnegie Mellon then? So my undergraduate was in mathematics at the University of Texas at Dallas. And I was kind of looking around. My my lieutenant time at my unit was coming to an end. The typical path for the Army is you'll return to continuing military professionalization course, which is like a six-month course on on maneuver and, and leading soldiers in combat like at the next echelon higher. And then after that, you would be in, in line for a command position. For a captain, it's typically a company, which is like a 120-man fighting formation. And so I was in line to do that. But this opportunity kind of came across my desk. And with my mathematics background, and honestly, I've been wanting to go back to school forever. Like, I've been wanting to be a graduate student. I see my sister has not left school ever. I see like all my friends from McDermott are all getting like PhDs and all y'all are all so accomplished that it made me want to come back <laughs> to school. So I thought it was a great way that I could continue to serve to, to further my education. And then later on, I can actually return back to that normal career timeline if I so choose. So this program that you're in now, you're considered an artificial intelligence scholar. 
Yeah, I mean, you could just drop the word scholar after things and it makes them sound like great. So how does this compare to your time as a McDermott? This is a brand new program. I'm in the second year of the program, so we haven't even had anyone graduate yet. It's a little more hands-off for sure, right? Like first off, we're graduate students. Second off, we're all like professional officers. But the thing that I really, really cherish about it is I have a cohort here the same way that I had at McDermott, which is really great. It's funny, when I came to Pittsburgh, I was like, well, I'm not going to hang out with the other Army people because like, I've just spent years doing nothing but hanging out with Army people. But it's it's just the same thing. Like, I remember at UT Dallas, I was like, man, I should not spend all my time with McDermott's, right? And you have other friends as well. But I'm just so privileged to be with such like talented, interesting, like smart folks at UT Dallas. And then again, here, it's really cool to be part of that. Awesome. I'm just curious, what's the diversity like in your program? So there's about 20 people per year. There's males and females. There's a few different ethnicities. It's the army has a lot of emphasis on diversity, but like, I'm not convinced we have like an African-American artificial intelligence scholar here. Better than some, worse than others, I'm sure is the, is the answer. There's also like extra dimensions of diversity you have to take into account in the army in the sense of like, the army has like different majors, right? Different, they call them branches. And so I'm in the infantry, which is running around in the wood with a backpack and a rifle. But it's important in this field to get representation from the different areas of service because there's artificial and machine learning applications in all those areas. And so having like a domain expert who can see how to apply that technology to their field is also important. It's not really what people would normally like mean by diversity, but for the for the profession and for the army as a whole, that's an important like axis as well. What do you do in your spare time? <laughs> what what spare time? Well, I hear that you are training for a marathon. So I've always enjoyed running, but when I was in my unit, I had to essentially like keep up my strength, be able to do my push-ups, like all that stuff. And when I got to graduate school, I saw a chance to essentially like no one was going to make me do a physical fitness test for a long time. And so I was like, man, I can really specialize and I've wanted to qualify for the Boston for a long time. So I, I started training pretty seriously and I qualified last September. So I'll run it April 18th, 2022. That's so exciting. Uh, what made you interested in running in the first place? I don't know. I think, you know, you know what made me interested in running? It was Jessica D'Souza, a 2010 <laughs> McDermott scholar, my big, who actually lives not far from me here in Pennsylvania now. She and Kayla Klein tricked me into running a half marathon with them in San Antonio my freshman year. Sid Sant drove us, and it was all country music all the time, uh, which is where I learned to like country music, was that road trip. And that was my first race that I ever did. And so then I just kind of kept kept doing halves, and eventually I got around to doing a full, and now I'm going to run the bus. <laughs> That's awesome. I love that. You are running a fundraiser along with your Boston Marathon run. So can you tell us a little bit about that? I deployed to Afghanistan in 2019. It was actually a fairly violent time in Afghanistan. It was just before the alleged, like the peace deal with the Taliban was announced, which obviously that didn't work out great. But um, they were doing essentially like a very aggressive campaign to negotiate from a position of strength. And so my unit in the course of our deployment there took one casualty, one uh, service member killed in action. And that was Sergeant First Class Ellis Barreto. So he was survived by his, his widow and three children. And I just, I think about him often and I wanted to do something to let the family know that like the people who served with him are still 
thinking about him and about them and about that family's sacrifice. And so I'm fundraising on, on their behalf. So we're going to collect as much money as we can and then just turn it over to the family. That's wonderful. Where do you find the mental strength to keep running for that amount of mileage? I think you build it up just like anything else, right? Like I'm training at about 60 miles a week right now. Uh, I think I'll probably peak at around 70 miles a week. But if you increase your mileage too rapidly, you'll like hurt yourself physically. You'll suffer from overtraining injuries. Runs that are that feel very short to me now felt very long to me, like just in terms of me- like mental boredom when I first started. And I think that you just learn to kind of like, I don't, I don't think about it when I'm running. You know what I mean? I think about other things. I, I listen to audiobooks. I listen to music. Uh, but even like yesterday, I did eight and a half miles without headphones, without my cell phone. And, you know, I just look around and, but I think you have to build up to that. Yeah, that's awesome. Great advice. How did your time as a McDermott prepare you for your career? Oh, I, I think it meshed perfectly. I think that the, the things that McDermott emphasizes are leadership and service, right? And so to to be able to serve as a leader in the United States Army is to me like a perfect embodiment of that. And in fact, I saw many of the lessons that were instilled or given to us as scholars, especially like freshman year when we were doing the seminars and the meetings and things like that. I saw those same things deliberately taught to to leaders in the army because they're, they're the model of service that works, right? Servant leadership is is extraordinarily effective, looking after your people, like not taking privileges or opportunities that, that your soldiers won't have, putting the needs of, of others first. These are all just like crucial lessons that McDermott taught me first that translate very, very well to, to military leadership. What advice would you give to someone looking to follow in your footsteps? Call me. Uh, I'm on Adelaide. I love mentoring people. I especially love mentoring folks who are joining the army. I would say just never quit, right? Like there's some trainings and some things that are, are very, very challenging, but they're so rewarding when you get through them and try your best to make incremental progress. If you want to run a marathon, right? The, the training that I've done has been consistent and that's been its greatest strength. Not that it was onerous or not that it was crazy like it's easy to say like what 60 miles a week or whatever like it's just that i've been doing it for a lot of weeks right and the same way i think for any professional endeavor for any scholastic endeavor you're not gonna i don't know ace the mcat overnight or you're not going to like suddenly be a brilliant scholar in your field of endeavor but if you consistently work at it bite by bite piece by piece in a couple years you'll be like quite good indeed awesome so what's next for you so I'm here for three and a half more years. I'll, I'll finish my degree in spring or in summer 2023, and then I'll work uh, at the Artificial Intelligence Integration Center that they're standing up here doing essentially R&D for, for the Army for artificial intelligence applications. And then who knows after that. In terms of training, I think that this is the, actually the last marathon that I'm going to train Seriously, for I don't want to keep running. I I think it's going to be great. I just want to switch gears. So after this, I'm thinking either I'll try to do a triathlon, which I've never done, or there's a military competition called the Best Ranger Competition that I think would be very cool to participate in. So as we wrap up, anyone looking to help support your cause for Sergeant Barreto, how can they do that? There's a uh, GoFundMe, and so you can just hop on there and donate. Yeah, honestly, any amount that people can donate could would be amazing. 
because the, to me, there's two metrics, right? There's obviously the money that that you give, which is helpful for the family, but there's also just the total number of people who have donated, right? Which is demonstrating to that family that there's like a community of love and support that like remembers and respects their sacrifice. So even if you get on and give, you know, like a dollar or five dollars, it adds to that number of like total number of donors in a way that I think is just as powerful as the actual amount donated. Well, thank you so much for joining us today, Nate, and it's been wonderful to hear your story. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. To support Nate in his fundraiser for Sergeant Barreto, follow the link underneath the podcast. Thank you for tuning in for this episode of Graduates from the Eugene McDermott Scholars Program Alumni Association. If you have feedback on the interview or content that you would like to see, email communications at mcdermott.org. Find more information on connecting with the Alumni Association in the notes.